What's up, everybody? It's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you for coming back one more time. As always, I'm going to start the show with our social media stuff, and then, you know, maybe a little bit about what's going on in my life. So if you don't want to hear this, if I can skip forward till you hear a beat, I don't care. First and foremost, you can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition, I-T-S-I-N-T-U-I-T-I-O-N. Follow my man, Ben Shim, behind the boards, at I Am Database. You can follow us as a unit at That's Kinda Neat. You can find all of our YouTube videos on youtube.com slash that's kind of neat. Channel's going good. I think we broke like 3,000 subscribers, which is crazy. Super stoked about that. The subscribers are going way faster than we could have imagined. I thank you guys so much for subscribing and tuning in. Been getting good comments and compliments about how you guys are really enjoying the channel, and that means a lot to us, so thank you. Be sure to visit us on iTunes and uh, use the podcast app on your iPad or your iPhone or iPod or whatever. Subscribe to that. Leave us a comment. Rate it. Be nice to us. We appreciate it. And then also you can find everything on our content portal, which is kindaneat.net, which just rolls off the tongue. I want to actually reach out to you guys if you're listening. This is our 20th episode, and for 20 episodes, I've looked at our little picture that shows up on our channel, you know, like when you subscribe and stuff. The logo is something that I designed last second, and I don't know shit about design. I know enough about design to know like what bad design is, and our logo that says Kinda Neat, hosted by Intuition, with like the white noise TV screen background, it's shitty design. I know that. The only thing I like about it is the teal color that the letters are. So, with that being said, I want to reach out to you guys, any of you that listen. I know that some of you guys are creative people. A lot of you guys are creative people because this is a podcast about creative people, and I'm sure that creative people are probably the ones that might be interested in it. If there are any designers tuned in listening, I would like to reach out to you to see if we could have you redesign our logo. The only stipulations is that you need to keep that teal color. Other than that, it's completely open. Other than that, it needs to be a square format. So if you are interested in redesigning our logo, there's really no prize involved other than glory and knowing that you redesigned it. And uh, I will shout you out for a few weeks, I guess. Go ahead and just tweet at me at That's Kind of Neat with your designs. If it happens and you guys make some new designs, I'll pick one and then it'll be our new logo. And hopefully within the next couple episodes, we'll have a couple great submissions and then I'll pick one. Maybe I'll put it up to vote on the site or something and let the audience pick. But basically I just hate my logo and uh, I want a new one. So make something that says kind of neat, hosted by intuition. And yeah, that would be great. What else happened this week? I got rear-ended while I was driving home from Oceanside. Uh, I was down there at work, and um, Ben, it was one of your people. It was a, it was a Korean girl. I got hit by a Korean girl. As soon as she got out the car, she rear-ended me. I was probably going about 15, slowing down, and she was probably going about 35. You know, just here, boom, and I fucking, I've been rear-ended a bunch of times, and I never know really know how to act. I always just end up banging my fists on the steering wheel and being like, fuck. And so that happened, and, and it felt like she hit me really hard, so I'm like, fuck, this is like going to be a real bitch. But then I got out the car, and the damage wasn't that bad. It was like, you know, I got a plastic bumper on my Honda Civic, and it was just a scratch on it. It wasn't a big deal, but as soon as she got out of the car, she goes, I'm so sorry, I dropped my phone on the ground. 
And I'm like, you fucking idiot. Like, you shouldn't say that you dropped your phone on the ground. Like, the first rule of hitting somebody is that you're not supposed to say, oh, my fault. Like, that's it says it on your insurance card. Don't admit fault. Now, granted, it's pretty clear cut when you get rear-ended that it's the person who rear-ended you's fault. So anyways, I go to, like, make a claim through my insurer, and then my insurer informs me that after contacting her, she's down to, like, pay me directly rather than rather than going through my insurance and i've never done that before this shit feels kind of shady to me like i'm comfortable going through my insurance like they rip me off so hard every fucking month and shove it up your ass that it's like you might as well utilize them sometimes you know what i mean you pay think about how much fucking money you've put into insurance that never comes back to you because they never do shit for you and then after all the money that you put into the insurance, if you ever cause a wreck that's your fault, your fucking insurance goes higher. And it's like, hey, man, I've already paid so much fucking money into that insurance. Why do you need to raise my rates? Because the fact that you had to spend however much money to fix the other person's accident still doesn't add up to all the money I've given you over the years. Anyway, insurance is a fucking hustle. I hate it. But it felt shady going like outside of insurance. But my agent told me, like, oh, yeah, just go get an estimate. And then, you know, you guys just settle it. Uh, however you want to settle it, you know, wink, wink. And I'm like, all right. So I went and get an estimate and it was a certain amount of money. And I get an estimate on a rental car while it's going to be in the shop. And that was a certain amount of money. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, she wants to do this so that it doesn't show up on her insurance uh, and make her insurance rates higher. She's obviously trying to protect her ass. So, you know, I'm going to make it more worthwhile for myself. So those estimates that I got, I may or may not have padded them a little when I told her, yeah, if you give me this amount of money, then I'll cancel the claim. And she goes, okay, cool. But can you send receipts for the damages? And I'm like, and I tell her at this point, I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to send receipts. That's just more chores for me to do. Like, I don't have a fax machine. I don't want to send you receipts. And I call my brother and I say, hey, look, man, I told her this amount of money, but it may or may not have been only really this amount of money to get it fixed. And he's like, yo, man, that's illegal, dog. That's fraud. And that's this and that and the other. You could do jail for that. And I said, man, do jail for like a couple of may or maybe or maybe not a couple hundred dollars. Like, what are you talking about? That's that sounds a little crazy to me. And then I call my other friend who's like another member of my brain trust and he goes, nah, dog, you're tripping. You better fucking triple that shit. He's like, and then you just Photoshop all the receipts. <laughs> he said, don't even get a rental car. He said, get an estimate from the rental car place and fucking Photoshop the estimate to say invoice and then triple all that shit too. He's like, fuck it. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a lot of work too. So I got an angel on my left shoulder telling me, no, don't do that. And a devil on my right shoulder going, man, you better go even harder than that. So my compromise compromise was somewhere in the middle where I told her, look, I don't want to send you receipts because I'll be honest, I'm padding it a little bit because I only got an estimate. And if my car gets up on the fucking thing and they find out there's more wrong with it because of damage that you caused, then I want to make sure that I have money there to get it all fixed and not just some of it fixed because if... I went through my insurance or your insurance, then they would just fix it with no questions asked. So like, I'm going to be honest, like if I send you receipts, they're not going to match up. And so at that point she goes, well, let me talk to my dad. And I said, of course, go ahead, talk to your dad. And she texts me back and says, okay, you don't got to send receipts. Just, uh, write an email that you, you'll cancel the claim and you'll never try to take us to court for it. And I said, oh yeah, no problem. So, you know, she sent me a check the check cleared 
And I'll be damned. I, I don't know if I'm going to get my car fixed at all. To tell you the truth, the damage isn't really that bad. I might just go over with a Sharpie marker or something and fuck it. But, um, yeah, so that's nice. Like, uh, it's nice to have a little chunk of change from some padding, you know? So, yeah, you know, don't drop your phones when you're driving. And if you do drop your phone, don't rear-end anybody. And if you rear-end anybody, don't tell them that you dropped your phone because that's just dumb. And also, fuck insurance. It's a ripoff. This week on Kind of Neat, we have an old buddy of mine, JJ. You guys will know him as Mestizo. Mestizo is a man about town. He seems to know everybody, and everybody knows him. And he has, like, secret handshakes with everybody, too. Very cool guy. It was a good conversation. He's had an interesting life. He was very nomadic and all over the place, and, and that's part of the reason that he knows everybody. But then the fact that he was nomadic and was, like, had to be by himself and, you know, he had to make friends however he could made him a very outgoing individual, which is another reason that he just knows everybody. Easy guy to talk to. So, yeah, this interesting story about... Where he's from, how his crew, Makina Muerte, started. We had Cadillac Ron on here earlier, who's from Makina Muerte. So, interesting little tidbits of history in here. So, uh, without any further ado, this is Kinda Neat with Mestizo. You still get the free Supreme hookups? I never got, well, yeah, I did get the free Supreme hookups, but now it's just kind of a discount because I don't work on the block anymore. Yeah. How long did you work on the block? Seven years. You eight on, years. Eight years. You were on Fairfax for eight years? I didn't yeah. even know like Fairfax was cool for eight years. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. It was around for a while. How did you start off there? Uh, turntable Lab. Oh, Me yeah. Me and Gaslamp Killer started there together. You guys used to work there together. Yeah. So, what, like, 04, 05? I think it was 05. Yeah? Had it been 05. Was he already getting his buzz at that time? No, not at all. Nah. How was he before the buzz? Was he he's cool, still the same. Cool to work with? Wild. He's, crazy. He's, yeah, he's a wild character. <laughs> yeah, for certain. Yeah, he... Uh, no, nah, he wasn't... That's where he started getting his buzz at. At Turntable Lab? He got it out of nowhere, too, because we worked with uh, Blue Gems and Gina Turner and... Like, that's when Diplo and all those guys started to blow up, too. And they were coming out of Turntable Lab. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. You know the first place that I saw Diplo play? Uh, Scribble Jam 05. Wow. How about that? He was the, not even on the main stage, he was Was like, that when James won? No, that was, uh, it was the year that this Australian kid won named Justice. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the opening night, not even on the main stage, like the opening party night, it's like in this weird, like, cave venue in Cincinnati. He was the DJ of the night. That's so cool. Which is pretty crazy. It was when he put out that record called Florida. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, the Big Dada record. It had peace on it and everything. Uh, I knew about that dude from uh, Mediocre. Okay. He, he told me personally, he's like, yo, Mediocre is my favorite producer of all time. Really? I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, him and Media were tight. And I remember his beats used to be super underground hip-hop beats. Yeah. That, all his first beats were underground hip-hop Well, yeah, beats. Florida came out and it was like, it was in the same like categories at the record shop as like rjd 2 shit. Yeah. You know, it was instrumental <laughs> hip-hop, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what he was into. I mean, I, I don't know. That's kind of the gateway to a lot of new music you know yeah i always say all the smart people get out of underground hip-hop but get, the smart people start in it too yeah they start in it and then they realize that the money's not there and then they go to dance music you know what i mean uh, then the bitter old men like me stay yeah, like, in it. exactly then you and i complain about like oh i knew him first <laughs> yeah. that's that's become my daily conversation like did you know that guy when he, before he was big yeah. yeah yeah i knew that guy before he was big. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah how do you know everybody 
I, I, just, I don't you know, know everybody. I've been thinking about that a lot lately in my sober mind state. When you've, I'm sober. You, you've come up in a lot of these podcasts because you're kind of the spoon that stirs the pot with a lot of people that I've had on between really? me and them. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know who put me on to you is JJ. Yeah, wow. yeah, you've come up a few times. That's tight. Yeah, man. So that's still uh, where are you from originally? Because I know that that's a hard I'm question to ask. I'm everywhere, dude. Where were you born? San Jose. San Jose, California. California. And how long were the you there? Zay, baby. <laughs> the Zay. Shout out to fucking. I can't, I can't even Dan. say. It. I don't feel like I'm from San Jose. I can't say it with pride, but I how am long a were you? Fan. How long were you there? San Jose, I was born there and then was there until I was six years old, then moved back to New York with my mom and her family. Then we moved back to the Bay and we were in San Francisco. And then from there, I moved all around the Bay until I was about 15. Born to Filipino mother? Uh, Sicilian mom. Sicilian mother, Filipino oh, father. Sorry, my bad. I, yeah, yeah. I, I get it Filipino mixed up. Father, yeah. Filipino father, Sicilian yeah, yeah. mother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we take pride in our <laughs> yeah. Magumba. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. What's it like growing up as a as a mixed nationality moving all around? Was it hard uh, to find your, your place? No, I mean, it definitely kind of shaped who I am now. It's like I can fucking deal with any kind of people. But I grew in every neighborhood I lived in. I've lived in like all white neighborhoods, mm. all black neighborhoods, all Mexican neighborhoods. And I've always been something different to everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I don't genuinely relate to any culture. You know what I mean? So it's just like I'm comfortable with being a mutant. You're kind of just and a, man, outcast, of, you know? a man of the people, though, at yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah. I get along with everybody, pretty much. Yeah. You know? Very outgoing individual. Kind of like you. Ugh, you I get don't along get, with everybody. I, you know, I get along with everybody on the service, but everyone secretly hates me. That's <laughs> no, what I it know, is. No, you've ripened it to <laughs> quite a good apple, bro. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So why were you moving around so much as a kid? Um, When I was a kid, I, guess, I don't know. It was like, you know, my pops is crazy. How so? Crazy, crazy drug addict when I was a kid. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was in the crazy shit, drug dealing, doing drugs and all that kind of fucking crazy shit during the crack era. You was know he saying? born in the States or was he? Yeah, he was born in San Francisco. Oh, okay. But he's, a, yeah, I have a long lineage of just crazy family members. Like my, his mom, my grandmother was murdered when he was like, I don't know, fucking 13 or something. Oh, wow. Because she used to, she was running with gangs in San Francisco when she moved from here to the Philippines, is what I was told. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it kind of got passed down from, or even my great-grandmother, she was fucking crazy as shit, too. She's awesome. Best woman I ever knew in my life. Fucking smoked weed until she was like 90. You know wow. what I mean? But it got kind of passed down all the way down to me. You know what I mean? So... I think with that, my pops just like he was, he was on one. He just wanted to move around a lot. We ended up in New York with with uh, my mom's family, and then back in the Bay, and then they split. How old were you when your folks split? Uh, I think about five years old. Oh, so young, young. Yeah, I was pretty young, but you know, it's like I, I'm so I'm so conscious of all that shit because it was such a vivid. I have such a vivid memory of like he's really fucking. Events that should be painful, but more they were just like an experience to kind yeah. of shape who I am. And you know? stuck with mom, or you, or did you? Yeah, well, I was with mom until I was about, I think, thirteen or fourteen. Then she kicked me out. Then my pops was back in my life. Then we were homeless, so we were just driving around every state. Well, let's slow down because there's so much to cover. I feel like in what you just did, you skipped through like eight years. So <laughs> you moved to New York for a little while, and then you moved back to the Bay. When mm -hmm. you when you moved back to the Bay, your folks are still together. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. They Why did this split up? Was your dad just getting too heavy into crazy shit? Yeah, he was fucking addicted to crack. So, oh, wow. That's so crazy. he was just like, you know, 
He was going, wow, he's on a rampage. And when you say, like, you have vivid memories of that, like... I used to see a bunch of that shit around. What, like, what, what is that around. like through the eyes of a five-year-old or a six-year-old, you know? Uh, I don't know. It was like, that's kind of the gangster era of, like, the late 80s. So, to me, it was like, it was kind of tight, you know? Mm. I don't know. I was trying to get into it more. I, I couldn't really understand shit. I already gravitated towards rap music at mm. five years old, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yo, MTV Raps, all that shit was on, and... uh NWA was fucking huge. Yeah. Everybody in my neighborhood were either bikers or fucking gang members. You know, and so, so you were kind of experiencing what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really like wasn't anything bad to me until like you witness what your mom goes through. That that's when that shit gets crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean, what did your mom do for work to keep a roof over your head? She uh, when we were younger, I don't remember. She had like three jobs, so yeah. I don't really remember what she was doing up until that. But then. I don't know, she went to school to be a paralegal or something, and then that's what she was doing for a little while. And so dad was just hustling? Hustling and, you know, going from girl to girl. It wasn't one of those things where when he was home, it was kind of like, I mean, were they fighting a lot when he was home and shit before she kicked him out? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like throwing shit or what? Yeah, it wasn't like my pops is never like he's not violent towards women because yeah. he, he grew up getting his ass fucking put in the hospital by his parents, you know? Right, right. So. It wasn't like violent like that, but yeah, my I mean, my mom's Cecilia, bro. It's like you know yeah. how it is. Oh, yeah. She's just fucking loud, dude. Yeah, they're loud, crazy, yeah, and yeah. nutty, and take shit. They're so sensitive, and the way that they show their sensitivity is just like screaming in your fucking face. Yeah, you know? I mean, Italian blood boils. You oh, know? it's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely nutty. I got it in me, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Has it affected your relationships as an adult? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. How's I'm so? a lot like my mom when it comes to relationships. Just like I'm fucking. I'm just hard to deal with. Uh, so I have a I'm hard, crazy dude. I mean, I'm half Italian too, and I yeah. have a, I have a hard time like when I get mad, I have a hard time cooling off. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. Like yeah. I'll be with a girl, and she'll be like, "I don't." She's like, you know, we'll get mad, and then she'll it'll be three hours later, and she's like, "I don't understand why you're still mad." And I'm like, "Because nothing has been fixed yet. I'm yeah. still fucking pissed off." You know, it's hard to cool off. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that shit's fucking super hard for me, man. I'm like, I've gotten over punching walls and. You know, throwing shit and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But I'm not violent. I'm not like a domestic violence. Yeah, I've never been a violent just, dude. I'm just a yeller. Yeah, I yell. That's yeah, it. I can't. I wouldn't lay a hand on a woman, man. That's just not me. Yeah, I, and I think that's in, that's ingrained in us by positive female oh, role yeah. models as Fuck well. Yeah. Where like my mom might call me a son of a bitch, and I might think that's funny, but you know, we don't. We would never like raise a hand. You know what I'm saying? That's just not how it works. Yeah, no, it's it's not. So mom and dad split, and then it was he out of your life for a while. Yeah, I mean, he was fucking. Well, for one, you know, it's like that typical shit where it's, I think my dad, well, this is what happened. My pops, I'm sorry, pops, if you fucking get mad at me for saying this, but this is what happens. It's like, you know, man cheats on the woman, woman's fucking upset and then forever holds a grudge, you know. But in this case, my pops fucking went out and had a kid mm. with another woman. Mm. You know, I didn't know. Skip 14 years later, I had no idea I had a little brother until I was 14. Oh, no yeah, shit. Wow. Because my mom's just fucking, she's Sicilian, she's pissed, wanted to keep a grudge, all that kind of shit. Right, yeah. right. So, at the point that he's gone, you yeah, guys she stay didn't in, want him in my life. You guys stay in the Bay for a while, or do you move again? No, I stay in the Bay. How long were you there? Mm, about, probably another, like, eight years. And to this day, like, Bay Area gangster rap is kind of your shit, right? 
It'll always be that's my like shit. A, that's well, like the a, era, the era of it is before I left was that the real like Mac Dre shit, not the hyphy shit. That right. was never my kind of shit. That's still know? a big influence in your music today, right? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah, for sure. You said that your mom kicked you out at thirteen. What happened there? Well, she threw me on the Bart to San Francisco. My uncle picked me up and then dropped me off with my pops and slept under the tent for like a fucking year and a half. So. Wow, so you were sleeping outside with your dad for a year and a half? Yeah, well, we had a van, but him and his chick, his old lady. My pops used to run with a bunch of Hells Angels and shit, so it was like he had an old lady, you know. They were just, I, I don't know what they were doing. I think they were tweaking a grip and shit, so uh. I was just fucking sleeping under a tent for a year and a half, writing raps and smoking weed, you know. Wow, were you going to school? No. Nah. No, I was out of school at that age. Did you ever go back to school? No. Nah. Wow. I didn't have a home address, so I was just like, fuck it. No shit. Yeah. I had no idea. So, wow, you, you're a school dropout at 13. Like, this, well, 14. 14. I mean, 14. Yeah, Does yeah. dad tell you, like, uh, you got to start, like, He gave me the life? option to go back, but I was like, dude, I don't have a fucking house to go home to. Like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I'll just get my GED. Yeah, where know? am I supposed to do homework? Yeah, oh, yeah, so you yeah. ain't got your GED. Yeah, I got my GED. Like, I wanted to fucking go through all that high school shit. I really wanted to have that kind of, like, normality that everybody experienced. I that I have seen, or maybe it was just on TV, but like, I always wanted to have like a normal fucking life. It yeah. just never worked out that way. Do you feel like you have a normal life now? Fuck no. No? <laughs> no. Is it something you still fantasize I'm, over? I'm trying to make it a normal life, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, what's normal to you? I don't know, like leave it to Beaver, that kind of shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's extraordinarily normal. I don't know if that exists. That shit's tight, but yeah. I think that's kind of more of my era. I'd rather live in the 40s and the 50s. If I'm going to do crime, I want to have like a fucking classy criminal background, you know? Right, right. <laughs> the noble criminal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea that you dropped out and got your GED. So what age did you go back and get your GED? I went back when I was fucking 21. That's when I got my GED. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Well, during that time when you're 14 and living under a tent or in a van, like what are you doing? Uh, Other than literally reps. only fucking listening to music, smoking weed and living off of like social security checks that my dad's girl was fucking getting. Wow. But that was it. But we were traveling so much that it was like it wasn't boring. I wasn't staying in one place. You know, where were you guys traveling? I think after we left Santa Rosa, we went to uh, Las Vegas and that was tight because we're I mean, we're in like an RV parking lot, just chilling, cooking out. But mm -hmm. everything was so cheap and uh it was like pools and Circus Circus was there. And mm. I was already getting high as shit. So all I, I was did just going to ask, like, fucking walk around. I was going to say in that environment, it seems like drugs would be just around. Perfect. It was for, well, weed. That's all I did back then. Yeah. You know? When did you start experimenting with weed? Weed probably about fucking honestly, in my 10th birthday, I got a joint from. Wow. One of my family members. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But were you seeing your dad and his friends do harder drugs in front of you? I, I saw it a couple times. It wasn't like it was in my face. He he kept it pretty hidden from me. Right, right. I didn't know until a couple of years ago at points in time when he was high. Huh. So, yeah, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, when you're running with a nomadic group like that, are there other kids your age that are kind of in the same predicament? No, I didn't. I really didn't meet any other kids. Like I would walk around by myself or just hang with myself. But I, I think that's why it's like I'm. I could gravitate to anybody. Like, I got a million fucking friends. Probably a bunch that I've pissed off because I don't even talk to them mm -hmm. anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. But never really met any kids on the road until we were actually stopping the city. So, What would you go do in Las Vegas? Fuck Circus Circus nonstop. Just go in and... Yeah, like, swim in and Circus Circus because, I mean, I think at that point we were there during the summer. Uh -huh. You know how it is in the summer. It's like 
fucking insanely hot. So you just go try to find a pool to sneak into or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then, you know, go to buffets and chill out. I did a lot of just, I literally did nothing but write raps. That's crazy. Because at that period, I had already been rapping the grip, but all my homies only freestyled. So that was all we did. And then uh, that's when I started getting into writing and I got sucked into it. That's all I did. I got books and books and books from when I was like 13 and 14, man. That's crazy. After Vegas, what happened? After Vegas, we went to Milwaukee. Why Milwaukee? My dad's girl was from there. Okay. So we chilled out there and then we finally kind of settled into her parents' house. And so Milwaukee's close to Chicago. Is that like when you ended up there? No, no, no. I ended up in Chicago a lot later. Really? So what what would you do in Milwaukee? I had a bunch of friends out there, man, yeah. that I met, and uh, a bunch of just same old kind of kids like me that were just living in other people's houses at 14 and uh-huh. fucking paying rent and already working and out of school, so. Yeah. Bunch of gangbanging kids. Right. What was your style as a 14-year-old? It was gangster. Yeah? Like yeah. what, big khakis and white tees or what? It was dickies and chucks and... yeah button-up shirts like pinning the dickies to the back of the trucks anything like nah, that? hell no nah. i never went that deep <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the ill shit uh in milwaukee you're living at your dad's girl's folks place yeah how, yeah how were they accepting of that were they into it yeah they were cool yeah yeah they were cool i'm i've always known how to get along with everybody that's older because i have fucking high respects for elders you know yeah i never was a mouthy kid to older people unless it would be a dicks then i would say something you know right when was your first fist fight oh my god that's like i don't know four years old five years old yeah i mean were you like a yeah i fought i've been fighting fighting all the way up until this point yeah Yeah. i'm still fighting yeah a lot right i don't know it's just a part of it you know what i mean yeah i really grew out of it you know i'll be honest like I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter. Like, I just don't, I don't have like a rage in me that yeah, I ever get mad yeah. enough to really want to sock anybody. I think I I've, only, I've only punched somebody in the face once, I think. Yeah, but yeah. where do you think that rage comes from? Because some people, man, like, you know. I think it's taught from your family. Like, my family, my older, all the men in my family, they're older, they're crazy, and they're just fucking, a lot of them were really, really violent. Yeah, you know? I mean, and, like, did you ever have to look up on your dad or anything? Yeah, once, but I, I didn't want to fight him. I got scared. How I'm not old gonna lie. How old are you? I was 14. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with your dad so when you're 14. My dad's a maniac, dude. Yeah, I don't exactly. wanna, I'm not fighting my dad. Yeah, that rage I is... would, though. That's the thing. I would, but I didn't want to fight him because I knew if I fought him, I would hold a grudge for the rest of my life. I would right. never want to talk to him again. I love my pops, you know? Yeah. He's a shit. Yeah. Being nomadic and seeing your dad doing fucked up shit is that like do you have some inner fucking grudge inside you that makes you want to fight like when you when no, you're fighting are you taking out anything or is it just like yeah hey, be don't honest, fuck with I me. think it was more like I get that rage from my mom I think me and her butted heads more than my pops really? he was out of the picture so much that I never could really even direct any anger towards him so right. my mom and me were face to face all the yeah. time so it's like. When you're face to face with your mom, your mom's got issues with you about what your father did. You look like your father. Mm. Then, you Mm. know, it's like I was constantly in fucking grudge matches with her, you know. Right, right. So it's like a lot of my built up anger came from that, you know. Right. Mom issues. It's more of mom issues. Than I feel you. Well, issues. yeah. I don't have those issues anymore. I worked them out. She bo- I mean, booting you out at, at 13, 14, like that's, pissed, you know, that's like abandonment shit. Almost. Yeah, I didn't talk to her for eight years. Wow. Yeah. How did you guys finally make up? I was all fucked up one night and I was like, I should probably, probably call my moms and fucking deal with this shit instead of fucking running away from it. Right. Well, you know how what was that conversation? She was tight. Yeah. Just put everything to the past and fucking move on you know how does she react tears and stuff yeah hell yeah yeah yeah. 
I mean, you guys didn't talk for eight years. Was she surprised to get the call? Did she know your phone number? I think she showed up at one of my apartments that I had when I was like 17, and she knocked on the door, and I was like, go away. Oh, really? I don't so want to talk to you. So it was face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came up one day, and then then we just fucking, I was like, I don't know. I, I figured it out. You know, as you get older, you start figuring a lot of shit out that you did wrong. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm sure you can understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just like, fuck, man. I probably should have her in my life, you know? I'm on this fucking planet, and she she brought me on this planet. So yeah, why she kick you out in the first place? Just fucking up in school or something? She thought I was selling drugs. Were you? No, I wasn't actually. At that time, I wasn't. Uh, I had been before, but I wasn't this. So when she thought you were, is when you were already over it or something? Yeah. Oh, crazy. In that. In well, that no, moment. I wasn't over it. I just wasn't you just selling drugs at the, at the time. time. She was calling, saying I wasn't. I wasn't. You uh, know, it's like she called me a liar, and I wasn't being a liar. You yeah, know? yeah. So after Milwaukee, where did you go? Phoenix. That's when we ended up in Phoenix. And this whole time your dad's running with like H&A dudes? He used to, yeah. And he was still down with them, yeah. yeah. I still got a lot of family members that are down with that shit. So did you grow up seeing like a lot of like... Bikers? Alleged organized crime going on or what? I mean, I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't give... I thought that shit was whack. I thought it was white boy shit. I didn't want to... Do, I was like, that shit's whack, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. I always wanted to run with the hip-hop shit. Yeah. Like, she's weak. Huh, that's funny. <laughs> Was <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, to my knowledge, it was just like, it was around so much. I was just like, fuck, man. It wasn't right. for me. You know, I wanted the, the b-boying and fucking gangster rap shit. No, yeah. I remember a couple of my dad's friends being like, why do you want to fucking run with that shit? Stupid. <laughs> shit stupid. How are you finding your hip hop at this time being so nomadic? Well, I mean, at my age, everybody was, was down with that shit, yeah. you know? And in the Bay, it's like, everybody was trying to be into hip hop, so... Did you keep in contact with a lot of friends in the Bay when you were moving around still? I only had like one best friend that that I really gave a fuck about when I left. Is he still around? He's still around, but I don't know where. Mm, mm. I saw a friend when I went back like randomly a couple months ago and he was fucking came up and tried to bum a cigarette off me. And I was like, yo, fool, <laughs> what's up? He's yeah. like, yo, I'm living at the church now, fool. Oh, shit. I was like, damn, dude. Being in an apartment ain't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you guys to Phoenix? We actually threw darts at the, the had fucking a had a fucking map. Yeah, you know. I was like, my pops like, where do you want to go? I was like, let's go back to Oakland. He's like, fuck no, I'm not going back there. He's like, let's just toss the darts, toss the dart. Yeah, ended up in Phoenix. Ended up in Phoenix, man. Well, we ended up in um, Phoenix first, then we went up to northern Arizona into Prescott, this little town, crazy little weird methed out town. Yeah. And then three months later, went back to Phoenix. So, so in this whole time, just still kind of living in the van or what? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. How did you guys eat? Like I said, we would get fucking government checks and shit every month. So. How would the government checks find you if you guys were moving so much? You can go to any social security. Oh, and just go get that done. Wow. So you guys were living off next to nothing then? Not, yeah, nothing. And did you have little side hustles and stuff like that? No, not until I got to Arizona. Then I started, I met a bunch of Mexican mafia dudes and I started fucking. And, and what happened with that? I was just like, yo, you guys got weight. Let me fucking sell some shit. You right, know? I learned right. how to fucking hustle, you know? And this is like, what, 17, 18? No, this was 15. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah. you're still a youngster. Yeah. And uh, I was selling weed before, but like it was only nickels and dimes, you know? How did you meet the Mexican mafia dudes? Like, same way I meet everybody. I don't know. Just randomly bump into the right people all the time. Just saying I wouldn't hello. call them, like, the right people. But, right. you know, for the time that I was going through shit, like, I needed the money. So Yeah. And was it something where it took them a while for them to trust you? Or what, did they just kind of nah, click No, they trusted instantly? me right away. Yeah. I think because I was so young and I was just honest and fucking... 
I was innocent in my criminal ways, you know. Yeah. It was like they knew I stuck by a code. I always stuck by it. the code that I learned. I tried to stick by it in all my business shit, you uh -huh. know. How long did you fuck with that? I fucking did that shit forever. I didn't fuck with those guys for very long. I moved on to other shit because at that time when I moved to Arizona, that's when I met all a lot of my white homies that were into fucking like ravey shit. And then I started getting the rave money. Really? <laughs> yeah. it was This was in like probably what, 96, 97? 97. Yeah, yeah, that's when the first rave kind of culture started to hit it America. It was pop, it did. Yeah, so what, you were slanging X-Pills and shit like that? Yeah, acid, Bibles of acid, fucking ecstasy, everything, dude, you name it. Yeah, because right. you're like an old drum and bass head, huh? Yeah, yeah, jungle. Yeah, is that, is that where you got into that? That's where I got into that shit, dude. You know, I, it took me in a different direction than like, you know, I was I was headed down a bad path. Like it wasn't all cool living out of the van. I wasn't like I was pretty angry. I was a fucking shitty kid uh -huh. up until the point I got to fucking Arizona. And then everything kind of opened you guys up get in a, a positive way. Did you guys get a place there? Like, did you settle for a bit? Yeah, we found, like, a small little cottage. And I was the first one with a job. I went and got a job, graveyard shift, at this uh, this place called Whataburger. Oh, Whataburger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, they got good burgers. This guy hired me illegally and shit. Like, you know, I gave him a as fake a, name. As a kid. Yeah, as a kid. And I was just like, yo, I need to work graveyard shifts. Huh. So work there and then work somewhere in the day. And then hustle during the day and work at this spot at night. Right. And did yeah. Whataburger help you get some food, too? <laughs> yeah. Kind of kept the belly full? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. When did you get your first tattoo? 15. I traded this dude a dove sack in Arizona for it. And what did you get? My gang name on the back. Really? Yeah. What does it say? Vigilante. Vigilante. Yeah. How did you um, adopt a gang name? From the Mexican Mafia dudes? No, no, no. I got When I was in the Bay, I got jumped into this set. Uh-huh. It's called Vigilante Boys, Vigilante Gangsta Crips. No shit. Yeah, this these Filipino gang. How old were you? I was just trying to be hella Filipino, and I was down for fucking gangster shit. You know what I mean? I was yeah. 13. 13? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And was it something where you knew you were going to get jumped in, or was it a surprise? It was a surprise about how many people that jumped us in. How many people? It was about 50 people fucking waiting at the park for us. 50 people us. jumped we had to fight. We had to fight 10 of these dudes. One of us each had to fight. Then we had to fight each other. Then we had to get fucking swarmed on these dudes for like a fucking couple minutes, dude. And what's that day like? It was tight because I was the only one that stood on my feet the whole time. Wow. Yeah. And these dudes already didn't respect me. You know, it's like I'm trying to be more Filipino, but I look more white than I do fucking Filipino. You yeah, know? yeah. And then it was kind of tight to show these fools up. Wow. They were like, damn, this fool's the only one that stood up. I mean, were these kids like... These were men. These were all older men. Were there guns around and shit like that? I don't remember if they had guns. If they had guns, I didn't see them, but they probably fucking put away. Because this was at the park. We got we were at a baseball park, and then we had to move it up to some fucking hill that we were on, and, and it just kept going on and on. But yeah. there wasn't no guns around. I don't know. They wouldn't bring guns to Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, like, when you're—I don't mean, like, at the park, but just at that time of your life after you get jumped into a gang. I mean, are you fucking seeing guns around just— casually at that point too mm, not really man i didn't see a lot of guns yeah yeah i was never into guns when i was a kid i was just into fighting yeah, yeah. if there was guns around it's for a purpose you know what i mean what? for like if somebody was trying to ride on somebody or if somebody was gonna go pull a lick on a liquor store 
A lot of these dudes were more into drug dealing. You hear these things. I mean, I've never been involved in the gang culture, obviously, and I don't know that much about it other than what I see on TV. But you always hear about shit about like getting jumped in for life and getting out of a gang is very difficult. Like when you moved away, was there any like heat about that? About like, oh, you're not down anymore? I saw these dudes. I went back to visit. Mm -hmm. I went to a mall in the Bay and I went back to visit and I saw my whole crew there hanging out. And I hadn't seen anybody in like a year or two. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and nothing happened. I thought mm-hmm. something was going to happen. I was rolling with my best friend from Oakland. We, I was like, hey, dog, I'm about to get tuned up right now. Mm-hmm. Just kick back, you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want him getting fucked up, too. And he, uh, these dudes all walked up to me, and they were just like, what's up, man? Where you been at? I was like, man, I've been fucking homeless, dog. I'm in fucking Arizona now, you know. And they're mm-hmm. like, like, well, you look skinny like you've been on meth. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm, I'm always skinny, dog. I'm yeah. a skinny motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And they just fucking they say, all right, well. Keep in touch, dog. They just let it slide. They're like, what you been doing? I'm like, I still ride for the click, dog. I'm just by myself, man. Yeah, yeah. You know? Then I showed them my tat, and everybody was like, yeah, that's tight, dog. Oh, crazy. Back to Arizona. Yeah. You finally have a place. Place. Does it start to feel like home? Yeah, dude. Arizona was the first time I really felt at home. Yeah. What yeah. was that like? Did you feel like you were getting your little piece of normalcy that you look for? No, nah, because it wasn't normal at all. It was like, that's when that's my acid era, you know? Mm. Just taking 10 strips of acid every, fucking every other day, going to raves all fucking day, just partying nonstop and being heavily into music. All I did was freestyle the jungle nonstop. That's wow. all I did. Well, they're big fucking huge raves. Like, I'm talking, do you remember how big raves used to be? Yeah, I mean, I never went to raves because I was in Alaska, but I saw pictures of raves and they looked enormous. And they're, they were huge. Yeah and, they, yeah. and this was like, that's where I learned how to really move a crowd. It was like, so, I mean, are there any embarrassing mestizo pictures where you're in like giant Genko nah, jeans nah, and tight shirts? I'm still kind of. Mickey you know Mouse what? hands and shit? No, nah, you know why? <laughs> because the jungle kids were never really super about that shit. They were all in the camo. Oh, okay. They're like camoed out all yeah, the time. Yeah. That's what Jungle Fools were into. You uh, know, they're more like the hip hop kids of the raves. Right, you know? right. How long did you stay in Arizona before you, the travel bug hit again? Um, well, that's like when I I uh, connected with my mom. Then I went to move back to Vegas where she was living. Went to go stay with her for a few months, and that's when a bunch of shit went down. Before I moved to my mom's crib and. And uh, was there like any falling out with your dad about moving back with your mom? Nah, not oh, at all. He's cool. He was cool with yeah, it. Yeah. But uh, no, I had a. I was dating a girl for like a year and a half and shit, and we just fucking cut it off. And I was all upset, and I fucking moved in with her. I want to get the fuck out of Phoenix, so moved in with her. And then Medi- Mediocre hit me up, and he's like, "Yo, you want to move out to Chicago?" How did Mediocre hit you up? Well, in Phoenix, I was throwing shows. I was throwing hip-hop shows when I was about uh, 18. Mm-hmm. And I was throwing a bunch of shit that people had never seen out there. I brought the shapeshifters out and oh, wow. uh, Off-White. How are you hearing about these guys? Well, um, I forget, man. I, internet, somehow. Yeah. I was into it. I was into the whole underground hip-hop shit as soon as, like, I heard Log Cabin and old Living Legends tapes. You yeah, know? and that shit, but that shit like predates MySpace. It predates fucking. Yeah, like, I that have was no like you idea. had to you had to be deep into the internet to find that shit back yeah, then. Deep into it, and I was looking for it, and it was finding me too. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like had a spiritual connection with it. Right, you know right. I mean? uh, you're just this 18 year old dude going, "Oh, hey, do you guys want to come to Arizona?" And like, well, I was kind of. Uh, I was a big battle MC out there. I was ripping shit up out there. Okay. Fucking, and I was doing a lot of shows out there. And all the stuff that was going on was kind of, uh, 
the same shit that was going on in underground hip hop was going on in Arizona, but uh, the kids in Arizona didn't know what was going on anywhere else, really. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. Cause, well, I mean, because Phoenix is like a hard, that's a hard market nowadays. Like, Super hard. Nobody even comes out to shows. Yeah, dude. like uh, underground hip hop is not. They come out for Brother Raleigh, they'll come out for Atmosphere, but if you like come out as a. Uh, I mean, this is kind of true anywhere now, but if you come out as a smaller independent act, yeah, it's like nobody gives a shit. They're that's not coming out. Yeah, sport. that's a real tough market. Whereas, like, I feel like Tucson is a good market for underground hip hop. Tucson's a great, you know, great, great market. And like Albuquerque is awesome for underground hip hop, but like yeah. for some reason, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, it's just like hard Haterville, there. bro. It's, it's hard hater, there. Haterville. Well, it's kind of like more broad out or something a little bit. Nah, there's a bunch of hip hop kids. It's Are just they? I don't know why, man. They, uh, there's a small community of people. Yeah. And they all do their thing and, and they stick with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. still don't pull a big draw out there. I did with Brother Ali. Me and him fucking played a show out there and that was tight. Nice. But, uh, you know, it was his people came out. So when you were bringing kids out to play shows in Phoenix, were you opening up for them and stuff? No. No? Just no, no, promoting? No. Yeah, I promoted. Were you making money off of it? Yeah, hell yeah. I was making a grip. I had a foolproof plan, dude. What was I the knew plan? how to make money off of shows, off of bringing people out that nobody knew because nobody knew who Off-White was out there nobody knew who Quell was and barely anybody had seen the shapeshifters out there so. yeah so what you would bring them on what was the foolproof plan uh, or is it still I'd throw battles i uh, get all these kids from around the scene yeah. i say yo you know I'm gonna have you battle i do two rounds first then I'd have the last round like the championship round after all the sh after, after the all the performances. performances yeah so that way everybody stays around and they watch the performance and then everybody gets enlightened to who was performing and enjoy the performance go home a fan and also get to see a battle what was know? the biggest show you think that you threw in phoenix oh uh, they were all small yeah they were all underground shows but they were fucking like packed like 100 400 300, that's big and a small fucking venue yeah that's know? good that's good so so what like, Galapagos guys took a liking to you after bringing them out? Me and Meaty hit it off right away. Yeah. Me and Quell did too, but more so me and Meaty. You know, Meaty was the one that had me bring Quell out because he was like, "Yo, why don't you bring Quell out?" I brought off White because, of course, you know he's Filipino, and I was like, "Yeah, let me get a Filipino dude out here." Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, me and Meaty hit it off. I went to visit him in Chicago. Went to all the Galapagos Studios shit. Made a track with Quell and went home and. That was it. We were all homies after that. Did you and Quo get along easily from the get-go? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's an interesting dude, man. I don't know him personally at all. I just know that, like, notoriously on the internet, he seems like he's always... He seems like a dickhead on the well, internet. Well, not even a dickhead. He just seems like he's, like, a hard dude to get along with occasionally. He's or, like, very, you know very what's opinionated. funny? He's really not. He's so yeah. social, man. Yeah. He's social as fuck, but yeah. he's... For some reason, his shit comes out on the internet. Like a lot of kids' shit, dude. You know, it's like... All the shit he wants to say to people, just it comes out sporadically at times, I think, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I think he knows that, too. Everybody's though, been that dude on the internet that says yeah. the wrong shit. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know. I'm, I've tried my hardest to keep that shit off of the internet. Oh, man. dude. I, like, I saw a post the other day on some forum like that I made five years ago, and I'm like, oh, I can't fucking believe that I said that. Like, what was the point? I'm like, what was the point of me saying that? Yeah, I'm, I, that's kind of hard for this generation because it's like they're going to look back. They're going to actually oh, physically see yeah. what they were like back it, in the exactly because i've learned over the years that just like what's the point like bite your fucking tongue there's no point <laughs> in like spewing the negativity just to prove that like you fucking it makes you look bad too it does and it does i just had a conversation with somebody about this on youtube like i saw some kid that i know vaguely from around like just hate on this video of the homie and like and i was just like yo man like what was the point of that you know yeah. and then he sent me a private message like i'm not gonna bite my tongue and yada yada and i said look man 
you're a fucking nobody and I'm a fucking nobody and we're all nobodies. And as soon as you figure that out, the better off you'll be. You know what I mean? Like there's no point in letting your mouth run for no fucking reason. Like I feel like everybody just, I mean, deep down inside, every human being wants attention. They want a part of your attention. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. If you're getting attention, they want a part of it. Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. So I don't know. I'm not, I've never been in a attention getter online. Like I, I've gone after a few dudes that wrote shitty reviews about me, but mm. then I thought about it. Oh, like, man, why man. would I even write? you a fucking email take out time and you yeah. took out time to do the same yeah. shit like what the fuck's the point i, I used to get so care. mad at bad reviews and i could give a fuck now so media hits you up and says i'll oh, come to chicago yeah and so you're just up and, and so dip. i said all right i'm going to chicago were you with the chick at that time nah nah i was, I was you already broke out i was a player so were you leaving phoenix or las vegas vegas you left vegas yeah left vegas were you throwing shows in vegas too left vegas with a ged Oh, okay. So you went back and got and your GED. driver's license. <laughs> bang, bang. Nice. So did you drive up to Chicago? No, I flew out. Flew out with a backpack. And nothing else? Nothing else. Did you have a place to stay when you got there? Meaty just like yeah, crashed? Yeah, no, we had, a, Meaty, uh, had an apartment ready for us. So Nice. Went there. and Did you have to get a job when you got there? Yeah, I got a job at a movie theater. At a movie theater. What were, <laughs> what were you doing there? Screening or flying? Some independent movie theater, but it was tight. Yeah. It was super tight. Yeah. I love it. I wrote a whole album fucking being there, you know? Nice. Like just while the movies are playing. Like were you the projector? No, no, I was a fucking usher and attendant and nice. dude at the kiosk and selling tickets Just and shit like a that. Jack of all trades at the movie I theater. I fucking, you know, I'll tell you what, if there's one job I've ever loved in my life, it's working at a movie theater. Really? I've worked at about five of them. No so, shit. Yeah. Why do you love it so much? Because I love movies, man. I just love being in that atmosphere. Yeah. I feel like the atmosphere at a movie theater is perfect for my personality. You know what I mean? It's quiet. Shut the fuck up. Yeah be attentive to watching some art and eat popcorn and hot dogs you know yeah for sure like other than getting a job like what's the scene like in chicago when you got it there? was a big bar scene and galapagos was already kind of popping when i got out there so it was like i was rolling with those dudes a grip everywhere and it wasn't something where meaty was like hey i want you to be in the crew so will you move up here no it wasn't like that at all and i didn't even have any expectations moving yeah. out there I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to Chicago. I want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so. yeah. But that's the thing is like when I first started hearing about you and, and then eventually met you, it was like, oh, it's Mestizo from Galapagos 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. like when was it after um, living up there and being around those guys where it was like, hey, okay, you're, you're part of Galapagos 4 now? I think uh, Jeff Kuglis, who owns the label, mm-hmm. he heard some of my shit and I was hosting their nights. I was just hosting. I, I was hosting, giving free drinks and all that shit mm-hmm. and kicking it with the homies and Jeff had heard my shit, some old shit that I did, and he was like, yo, I want to put your album out. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Nice. Next week, I set up a tour with, uh, I can't remember who it was, one of Robust bus friends, and that was like our first shit, and sparked everything off, and we just started touring the grip. Where all did you guys tour to? Throughout the Midwest? Mainly Midwest and West Coast. We did the East Coast and the South a few times, and then we did Europe a bunch of times, and how did you figure out how to tour on your own? I just kind of figured it out, like really being kind of a people person, mm-hmm. just having connections just through people, you know, found out about a bunch of promoters or hit, would hit up certain clubs and made use of the internet of looking online, like who's popping and what people are throwing, what shows. I think from promoting shows, it helped me understand the mind of a promoter a lot. Mm-hmm. So I just, when was this like around oh three or something? This was oh two oh two oh three yeah. yeah. Chicago at the time had like a I feel like it had this um 
aura of being like a scene full of like hater dudes like everybody in chicago was kind of against each other did you really? feel, did you feel like that that's what i, I was for- i was in the scene so i for me it wasn't like that oh, okay from the outside looking in i always heard like that chicago was like everyone was just very competitive with each other and didn't really look out for any for each you other you know what i think it was like that but i just i got along with everybody man from the moment to acrobats to all of those dudes like i was cool with all of them man they did were, you ever meet open mic while you were in chicago nah no nah, i never met open mic but his best friend riff napalm was on because i was gonna say four. he i know he ran with some of the he wasn't in acrobats but i know he knows i some thought of he those was guys. in acrobats uh, he may or may not have been i think he's done I think he's been on Nacrobat projects, but wasn't officially in there. But uh, like shouting out Nacrobats made me think, oh, I wonder if you ever met Mike in a previous life, you know? Man, I, I we never met until I moved out here. Mm-hmm. So how long did you stay in Chicago? And how many records did you put out with Galapagos? I put out uh, three records with Galapagos, and I stayed there for two and a half years. Shout them out. What are they called? Life Like Movie. Uh, me and Mike Gow did Blind Faith and Dream State. Can they still be found on the, on the internet pretty easily? Yeah, you can yeah. find them. On iTunes or shit? All right. Yeah, still goes Galapagos. Nice. What are you currently working on? Just like mainly self-produced shit right now. I'm trying to figure out a sound that I want to do now, you know? Like, I'm trying to always do something different. Yeah. But I'm in a position right now where I'm not I'm not rushing it no more. I don't want to do that shit anymore because it fucking, it just comes out sloppy to me. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to put more more personal intent and morals into my fucking music you know again right i got caught up in this whole fucking la scene for a little bit you know yeah let's talk about how did you end up in la my girlfriend where did you meet her uh when i was on tour with quill me and quill were touring oh no shit so you met her while you were in la yeah where were you playing a show at Somewhere in Pomona. We got in a big-ass fight, too. It's a big rumble. At the Glass House? No, it wasn't the Glass House. It was like some Mexican spot. It was right by the Glass House, though. How did the fight start? I can't remember what happened, but somebody thought somebody stole his name. Like, Quasar stole his name. Uh. And it just never happened mm. like that. And Quell, being Quell, I think he went out and fucking started shit with the dude. And media got punched in the face or punched some dude in the face. And yeah. All-out war happened, yeah. you know? So you're on tour and, and a fight starts, but somehow that night you meet the girl that you're still with to this day, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's breakup to makeup, but yeah, we're still together. Right, nine years, right, bro. yeah. Oh, nine years, wow. Yeah, nine That's crazy. years. Um, so do you guys, like, take numbers and you're texting back and forth the whole time that you're on that, that tour still? No, I wasn't like that. I, I got with a girl right after that, after I met her. Okay. It was it took about a year before we we. How did you guys again. stay in contact for a year? Through like MySpace or some shit? Nah, I'm through cell phone shit. Cell phone I stuff. I was living on a farm. Oh, oh wow. Growing weed, fucking Where? doing my thing. In Chicago? Up north. No. Nah. This was after. I'm, I left Chicago two and a half years after, and then I was still touring and doing shit with those guys, but, and Quella and uh, Jeff moved out to Oakland, so oh, I had okay. Galapagos kind of next door to me. So- you guys all migrated to Northern California, but mm-hmm. you're still touring together and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So you guys are keeping contact on a cell phone. Then when do you decide like, oh shit, I think this is something. Perhaps I should move to LA. I don't know. I'm just spontaneous like that. I was like, fuck it. I'll go to LA, you know? Yeah. And that had to be around like what? Oh six. No, that was uh oh four. No, it had to be oh five because that's when I was turntable lab too. 
Right, right. Oh, yeah. And 05 is when I met you because... Uh, no, it was 04. I moved here in 04. And I, but I think I met you around 05 because that's, yeah. that's when I started hella coming to LA a lot for shows yeah. and stuff. And I thought then, you already lived here. No, I didn't move here till 07. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I was down here like pretty much every weekend to either Damn. play shows or go to shows or host a show yeah. like people it's funny like people used to always ask me like how oh how do you get involved in the scene and i'm like i just came down all the time like i didn't live here but i just <laughs> made sure to be here like yeah. show your face and talk that's to really people. all you gotta do is just uh, be in each other's faces talk, and, talk yeah. to people you know what i mean if you keep seeing the same person you're eventually gonna say what's up you look familiar you know what i mean yeah yeah um you moved to la mm-hmm. when did galap like do you still I associate with, the with them. Like, like, I associate with them. I just stopped doing music for personal reasons, you know. Oh, so you didn't do music for a while? How long was that? No, I stopped doing music with, with Global Ghost. Oh, okay, okay. Probably after the Dream State shit, and then it was weird because I had a bunch of people asking me to put out some records on their on their labels, and I held off, held off, held off, held off, and then all of a sudden nothing, you know. And I was like, "Fuck!" I started asking again to these dudes, and they weren't down for it, and. um me and Adam Weiss were actually working with Daddy Kev. Yeah, you guys both were like some of his first interns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. I went to recording engineering school, and I needed to get some hours for something. And Kev had just started Alpha Pub. He started the the digital distribution. Shout out to Daddy Kev, I love you. Yeah. And he was like, "Yo, uh, why don't you just do your digital distribution through me and just start a label?" You know, he's like, "If you had a label." And then all of a sudden, boom, started the Maquis No More at this shit. And what year was that in? I was, uh... 09? Yeah, I think it was 09. How did the Maquis No More thing become an idea? I mean, me and Isaiah always talked about putting, like, a super group together. You when know? did you guys meet? Because you guys me were really and Isaiah close. met a long time ago. That was my Arizona days. It, shit. When you were in Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's from Tucson, right? Yeah, he's so, from Tucson, but Merce introduced me and Isaiah. Oh, okay. Well, did you bring Merce out for a show or something? Nah, nah. Merce knew one of my homeboys, and I was always at the Living Legends shows and shit, and I can't remember how me and Merce met, but he kind of took me under his wing right away. And I was showing him beats and raps, and he knew about me and shit, and he knew about Isaiah, and he was like, yo, he played a show one day in Phoenix, and I battled at it, and he brought Isaiah up, and that was the first time I met him. That's funny. I think my first time seeing Isaiah was in that same Scribble Jam 05 where I saw Diplo. Right, right, right. Because he rolled there with Merce to the Scribble Jam. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you guys, uh, Isaiah is like a pretty scary looking dude. You know, he's, got, he's just yeah, co- yeah. covered in tattoos, that gold Especially teeth. back then. He was, back he then, was it, stocky as hell. Dude, and in, in 05, yeah. being covered in tattoos was some very like un- unorthodox shit. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like a lot of people are covered head to toe yeah, with yeah. tattoos. It's a thing now. But yeah. back then, that was like, whoa. So to see this dude at Scribble Jam with the teeth in and the head tattoos, I was like, yo, this motherfucker looks like he could beat up everyone at Scribble Jam. <laughs> he probably could have. Yeah, and he's rolling out Merce. That was the first time I saw him. I didn't realize, like, I didn't know who he was until a couple years later when DJ Elite told me about him. Yeah. So you guys met and just became close brothers. Well, it's because me and him were kind of like, he was kind of the weird up-and-coming rapper in his city, and I was the weird up-and-coming rapper in my city. So mm-hmm. it was like, Merce heard both of us and was like, oh, you guys should fucking do something together, mm-hmm. man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it, it wasn't until a while later that we even started making music together. But, but was it an instant click of friendship? Yeah, we were cool, man, right yeah. away. It's like, you know, he, Isaiah's the same way, man. He's gotten through a rough-ass childhood, and, and you know, 
he's a soldier, man. And and you just kind of have mutual respect for street kids, you know? Right, we right. Have mutual respect for each other. And I feel like when you uh, moved to L.A., you were kind of still, you would go out to Arizona just to disappear every once in a while or something, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot, Because I know I would lose contact with you for a couple months, and I'd yeah. go, where the fuck are you? And you're like, oh, I was in Arizona, but now I'm back. I, yeah, I did. It took me a while to kind of settle into anything. Were you, you know? going to Phoenix or Tucson? Both. Yeah. And Flagstaff. Kip oh. Killigan, who's uh, one of my best homies too, man. He, he he lives up in Flagstaff and does a lot of music with me. And he was on Galapagos too. Mm, mm. How does Makina Muerte become an idea? Oh, like I was saying, we wanted to put a bunch of rappers together that were our homies that we thought were dope. And we wanted to, you know, showcase them and showcase ourselves. And the idea is, you know, there's power in numbers. And there really is. You mm -hmm. know, it's like more people are going to fucking pay attention to a big crew of people than they will just to one person easier mm -hmm. and faster, mm -hmm. personally, I would say. Mm -hmm. Unless you have, you know, super PR and all that kind of shit. So it worked out for us, you know what I mean? So yeah, for a, while, for a while, it seems like you guys were gathering up a whole army. Yeah, we still got a whole army. It's just everybody's kind of, we're still, still kind of coming into fruition you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah it's definitely like a growing process and you got to figure it out as you go i'm yeah. sure right? well you know we we kind of hit the seed fucking rowdy and off and running you know so it's like yeah we, tell me about the like you guys did hit the scene definitely rowdy what was the initial kind of like idea or plan you know what i mean was it like let's go out and fucking put our feet down and show people who we are like no nah, no nah, it wasn't that at all dude i think it was just we all came together and everybody was already like that and yeah. then it just fucking worked out that way you know because I, mean? I, I mean i remember when it started people would be like wait is makina morte a gang <laughs> you know what i mean and i was like mm, i don't think so it's a record label yeah no it wasn't i know we got that that misconception a lot man mm -hmm. it's just you got a bunch of dudes that all look the same of course they fucking look like a gang you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. who all was in it who the initial two were obviously you and isaiah yeah mm -hmm. who was the next person you reached out to uh i think well alex you know rape wolf yeah rape yeah. wolf was down 30 names bruh 30 names bruh serve dot <laughs> and cadillac okay yeah yeah and what drew you to those guys um I mean, we're all homies. The thing is, we already all kicked it together right. all the time. We did music together all the time. So it only made sense just to fucking start a record label, you know, and start putting people's shit out. And I already knew how to kind of start a record label, not run it, obviously. I haven't fucking... Isaiah's running the whole thing. Shouts to Isaiah for fucking holding it down. But, you know, with Galapagos, I kind of had the experience and the connect with Kev to start a record label and kind of figure this shit out right as all this was turning into digital distribution and only digital media you know what i mean yeah so, worked out good yeah i didn't believe in it at first so i was like we gotta do cds records only merch all the time fuck digital shit right you know what i mean and right kev was fucking three years ahead of everybody dude yeah he was very smart to realize that like no one was going to be buying cds yeah. in a very short period of that's time that's what he told me i was like fuck you no you're not you're not right you know and gas lab told me underground hip-hop's dead i was like fuck you you're not right and boom both of those things fucking came into play and i was like yeah like the whole low-end scene i feel like for a while when when it was like not to say it's not at its peak, but when it was like super duper at its peak, yeah. like all the fucking producer dudes were like so anti rap music. Yeah. And it's like crazy because now, you know, then Flylo comes out as Captain Murphy and shit. And it's yeah, like yeah. all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, wait, I want to be down with rap again. How do you feel about that? 
I think, uh, you know, I was actually all right with it, man, because I already knew all those dudes and I saw what they were doing. At first, I was kind of bitter. I was like, all these dudes are doing are biting Jay Dillard. Fuck all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And really what it was is that producers were finally coming into their own and like it wasn't like they needed a rapper to fucking hold them down anymore. They they could be their own artist, you know what I mean? So I was cool with it. I was cool with it. And I did see that fucking, you know, rap kind of took a background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was all right with it, man. How's life right now? Life's cool, man. Life's cool? Yeah, hell yeah. What's your day-to-day like right now? My day-to-day is... Shit, I'm just... I'm researching a lot, man. I'm trying to become an immortal man. I'm learning how to fucking grow my own food and pack for the winters and hunt and all that shit. You know, everything a man should know how to do, that's what I'm learning how to do. And how to control my my liquor and my drug uses, that's what I'm doing. I'm just a nut. I've always been a nut. You know what I mean? Like, I come from a drug background, so that's all Mm. I've really known, you know? Mm. So I'm fucking constantly partying, but the older I get, I'm starting to realize, oh, maybe. Has there ever been something that's been a problem? Have you ever ever had to, like, take a step back? I I think some people have think it's been a problem for me. And I, I know it's probably been a problem at times, but I'm just a wild dude, and I think that's normal. Yeah. You know? Does it help you reach an inner peace? Like, do you feel no, more not centered? not at all. I just no? like getting fucked up. It makes me get crazier, and that's what I love. Really? I love being crazy and chaotic, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm great. all about it. Chaos is my shit. Well, it's, it's funny that you say you love chaos and being around chaotic things, because earlier you said you, you're seeking normalcy. That's what I am seeking, but I love fucking chaos, dude. Yeah. It's two sides to me. I'm either cool as shit, or I'm a fucking maniac you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. everybody knows that about me that knows me you know it's like you, you never know what you're gonna get with me but that's what i've tried to work on right you know what i mean yeah, becoming yeah. a man and fucking being a solid dude you know what i mean right so we started off talking earlier about uh when you were at turntable lab when did you how long were you at turntable lab and then when did you switch over to uh the fresh reserve, eye? yeah the fr- reserve store fresh Eye. i don't remember it was like two years there and then fucking fresh drive the rest of the time so yeah, yeah. Uh, a common thread that i that seems to happen with a lot of people on this show is like everybody's kind of always a little up on shit and like you're one of those dudes who's like super up on shit and we had mike g on last episode and i was talking about how uh you were the first person to put me on to odd future yeah, like yeah. when you were at fairfax uh-huh. being immersed in it did you know that something was bubbling there yeah, I did, but I I thought it was gay, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. I, it went through two cycles. There's well, now it went through three cycles. What was the, the first? The first cycle was all over print shit, right. which is like you know the hundred sparked off everything with the paisley print, paisley t-shirts, boom, fucking all over everything, and it was nothing but fucking these trendy kids, and I hate trends. I can't stand them. Mm. I can't stand seeing individuals not being individuals Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like people just fucking chasing after whatever everybody else is doing and that's what happened which is funny because you know uh i used to wear fresh drive when i was a young young kid like in seventh eighth grade and so then when i saw fresh drive coming back i was stoked i was like oh fuck yeah Yeah, fresh but you know what my first like new fresh drive shirt was what an all over print (laughs) (laughs) it's all right man i I didn't think the all over print shit was whack but i thought that just the way that it, it got exploited. Man. It got exploited really fast. Yeah, you know? It was like yeah, every, yeah. all of a sudden, every fucking company, big or small. I feel like that was around 07, 08, or like 06, 07, when like, man, all over print yeah. was like Non-stop, everything. Not stop. I was glad when that was over. Was, yeah, I was glad when that was over too. Yeah. But that, a lot of that shit died. Fairfax died down, and then it came back, and 
it came back kind of more. How should I put this? I don't, it was just more sophisticated. You know what I mean? And yeah. more for like adult kids. Yeah, that's. I was actually when you were working at um, the Fresh Ice Store and Reserve. Yeah, it was really going through this kind of very grown man. Yeah, right. like it, I don't think it was actually appealing to a lot of kids that were really on the block because yeah. it was like some grown up, like let's get on a yacht type shit. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? But that was cool. Kinda, I was down. I liked it. it. That shit. Uh, I mean, it kind of evolved men's fashion, you know, mm-hmm. and like also the way that young kids dress. Now mm-hmm. kids are dressing in dress shirts and fucking no socks and you know loafers and all that shit, mm-hmm. which is cool, you know, like mm-hmm. makes kids look classy, but. I don't know. That, yeah, that's the second cycle of it. And then the third cycle is whatever Odd Future is doing on Fairfax. That's mm-hmm. that's what's cracking. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you know? were super early on Odd Future because those were, were like your interns. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was working at a uh, – where was I working? I was working at a, like a computer lab or like a retouching house or something. And, and we were uh, talking online, I think – or something, and I, and you were like, oh, check out this video of my little homies, and you sent me the French video. Oh, yeah. 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 Remember I remember that? I posted that up. I was like, hey, this is my little homies. I didn't know anything was popping with them. I was just like, yo, trying to support, you know? Yeah, and I remember talking to you and just being like, wow, this is like, this shit is crazy. But it was, uh, it was kind of in one year and out the other. I was like, oh, this is fucking tight, but then I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, they just made a tight video. And lo and behold, is like... It's, it's crazy. I didn't, you know, during that time, I had no idea what was going on. I think I left Fresh Jive a little later after they started really hitting the music shit. Yeah. And everybody was asking me about him. I was like, what the fuck are you asking me about Tyler for? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fucking everybody in the scene was like, what's up with Our Future? Can I hook up with him? I'm like, why you want to hook up with Our Future, doc? It's just yeah. fucking Tyler and homies and shit. Why? Right, right. And they're like, nah, those kids are fucking hard. You know what I mean? What was your introduction to those fools? Like, they're just a bunch of little skate rat kids? Yeah, they just come hang out with me at the store. I mean, all the kids that got shooed off from fucking like Supreme and everything just came to hang with me and i kind of just gave him a place to kick it you know yeah and did you start letting him like stock shirts and shit like that like what yeah 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 Yeah. let him fucking come work in the store for merch and do my job for merch and let me just kick it you know (laughs) (laughs) tight do you ever see those fools around now yeah i see them all the time i probably see them more than i used to see what's it like now is it's cool it's still the same i'm not like i was never and I tell fucking all these dudes this, you know, I was never like the biggest fan of theirs. It was like, I'm the OG and the yeah. shit that they were doing, I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of like underground shit. It's like ours. Right, right. And like, nah, we don't like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a trip to fucking see them everywhere though. Like, yeah, that's fucking yeah. strange. It's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're still the same motherfuckers too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. wouldn't expect any different from right. them. They're the homies and shit. Yeah, that's cool, man. It's a trip to see shit that you're so close to blow. Cause I, I've never really talked about this on the podcast, but like I did a podcast with Macklemore like about a year and a half ago two no years way, ago really? yeah I had him on the old podcast that I used to do and um, I knew that shit was bubbling because I watched I started following him when he had like 10,000 Twitter followers and then was trying to get him on the show and by the time I got him on the show he had 50,000 Twitter followers wow. and then when I saw him perform in the studio I was like oh pff, like this is something but if you would have asked me, is he going to have like three number one hit records in a row I'd have been like you're kind of tripping that's crazy because he's, he's like an underground dude yeah and so now to see him everywhere and have my mom asking me about him and shit, that shit is so crazy, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's nuts. It goes fast, man. It's crazy. I'm, I'm really extremely proud of fucking uh, Tyler and, and all, the, all the kids fucking really shaping 
I mean, this they generation, re- dude. They shaped this generation. Yeah, because initially it was like they were reshaping the music industry, but now you're right. They definitely like have become an influential uh, figure yeah. in their generation of yeah. kids. I'm I'm proud of them, man. Yeah. It's like those kids. They were. I was super impressed impressed by them before any of that shit. Just for like taking pictures, making their own videos, making their own beats, making their own clothes, dressing their own, their own way, skating, fucking doing yeah. rap music, you know? Like, it was a full creative entity. Yeah, or something. yeah. yeah. They, they really, they, they worked hard, man. Yeah, and I definitely think, like, in some ways, kids from their generation are going to look back the way that, like, we might look back at, like, Nirvana and shit. Yeah. Like, it was a real, like, shift in the dynamic of things. It's you know? crazy, man. Yeah. And the way that they performed, too, you know? It's like, they brought back fucking stage diving and mosh pits at fucking rap shows you never right. seen that shit right know? yeah it's crazy man yeah. um, so what's next for Mestizo shit man I'm just I'm taking it day by day for life wise you know but right now I'm working on something really epic for me you know mm-hmm. what I mean like I'm gonna I don't really want to say anything much because until it happens but performance wise and touring and music like I'm working on something that's respectable as a respectable artist you know mm-hmm. what I mean I really just want to be a, a fucking a William Burroughs type of dude. You know what I mean? Hopefully without all the heroin. And not gay. I'm not gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are some of your like musical influences right now? Like, Have you been listening to like a lot of New Wave or anything like that? Yeah, actually, I, I do. I listen to a lot of fucking New Wave. Uh, I mean, being from the electronic scene, I've always listened to electronic music. Yeah. You know I mean? So New Wave for sure. And what you guys are doing, like with you and Serp and Alex and Isaiah, like I feel like it's got this dark kind of like Morrissey Cure thing going on with I like a hip hop twist. We you know found I mean? kind of one of our niches. You know, yeah. it's like I, we're comfortable with it because I, I, for me personally, like I was never super comfortable with just hip hop shit. I'm super comfortable with the gangster beat shit, but it's not totally what I'm into either. And I'm into rock heavily. My pops is a guitarist and, yeah. and I've always been around a lot of fucking new wave and rock and punk, you know? So I think that's like, we're finally being able to draw our inspiration and use it in our music. You know what I mean? Yeah. that's So cool, it's man. coming out like that. And it, I personally am just, I love fucking new wave music, man. I'm fucking all about it dude. yeah yeah for sure well hey man i think that's gonna bring us to the end of the show hell yeah yeah so i want to thank for you for coming me. in yeah absolutely it's been a long time coming uh before we get out of here tell the people where they can find you online uh you can find me at maquinamuerte.com you can find me twitter mestizo muerte you can find me soundcloud mestizo muerte you can find me at mestizo.bandcamp uh I'm so bad at the internet. Just look for me. That's all you got to do. Google me. Google me. My name is Lee, but you guys might know me as Intuition, and you can find us on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at It's Intuition. You can follow my man, Ben Shim, behind the board, suffering through the extraneous heat today with a fan blowing in his face because Atwater Village is hot as fuck. Uh, you can find him at I Am Database, based with two S's. Much appreciation for always making shit sound buttery. We're coming live from the Cosmic Zoo. Uh, you can find them, CosmicZoo.org, run by the magnanimous Daddy Kevin, James, No Can Do McCall. Thank you to them. Thanks to my man, Mestizo. Yeah, kind of neat podcast. Bang. This was kind of neat. Kid. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you.